This is The Junk Project, a podcast about the mental, emotional, and physical junk that we carry in our business and life, along with practical ways to get rid of it. And now, here's your host, Michelle Hill. So I'm Michelle Hill, and I wanted to say welcome to The Junk Project. And we have Adam McChesney. Did I say your name right? You did. Okay, cool, cool. All right. We would love to hear about just everything you do. I know a little bit, um, but I'm definitely going to be taking notes here. So I would love to learn more. Yeah, thanks, Michelle, for having me on. I'm excited to chat with you today. So I'm Adam McChesney, located here in St. Louis. I am the owner partner of Hype Digital St. Louis. So we are a full service digital marketing agency. We do everything from logos and branding to website design, search engine optimization. So ranking websites and Google business listings, along with paid advertising on Google, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Uh, Our model and the way that we do things is a little bit unique to digital marketing. We are the only uh, franchised digital marketing operation in the entire world. So really what that gives us uh, and our clients is a couple things that are very unique. So you get the all of the great things about working with a very large marketing company, which is the resources. So we have 175 plus employees. We are a Google partner. We have data, KPIs, and strategies from all over the world in a variety of different industries. But when you work with a large marketing agency, normally you end up becoming you know, just a number. And you're not looked at as a client and you get lost in the shuffle. So as a franchise, I have my own team of customer-facing people as well as team on the back end that fulfill all of our work. So we're a very um, customer-centric focused digital marketing agency with the nuts and the bolts on the fulfillment side to really help provide the best results for our clients at an affordable price. I think that's awesome because I've had... uh just a little bit of bad luck with the customer service on some of my websites that I've had built. And the first two I I built by myself. And I really liked that because I could just go in and do whatever I wanted. Uh, But uh, they were probably not as professional looking as a real website, you know? And um, so I think that's really neat. And I've noticed that You've been getting into the junk removal industry more. How long have you been in that industry a little bit? Yeah, so probably about two and a half years. So I've been doing this almost two years now full time. Uh, Started uh, in 2018, kind of doing some of this stuff on the side, but with the pandemic went full time. The junk removal space is one of the first spaces that I got clients in. And we've had a lot of success in that. That's probably our second uh, most notable industry that we're in behind roofing. Um, So we work with a lot of roofers, a lot of junk removal clients as well. And it's gone over extremely well, everything um, from designing new websites to ranking those websites on Google. And then also we do a lot when it comes to Google ads. So we probably have about 20 clients right now in the junk removal space across the country, ranging pretty much from coast to coast. Wow. That's, that's really cool. Um, I was going to say something and I just forgot it. (laughs) Um, 
I've noticed like with, with my website now, now I'm not paying for SEO or anything like that, which I probably should be doing, but my traffic is so bad. Um, I'm lucky to maybe get seven people that respond to my website a year. So now I don't know how many people go to it. So that's something I'm working on, um, trying to, to work on the back end. And I think I'm going to redo the website again. So I don't know if constantly changing the website, you know, I mean, it has the same domain, but I don't know if constantly changing it is good or how does that affect anything? Does it? So we're always constantly changing our clients' websites as well. Um, depends on what you know the definition of changing is. We add a lot of new content to our clients' websites every single month. We're split testing images, split testing call to action buttons, things like that. The biggest thing when building a website is, is really twofold. Um, is one, what platform is it built on? So there are a lot of you know free or do-it-yourself platforms that are out there that actually just don't rank very well on Google because of the mobile friendliness or the search engine optimization friendliness of that platform. So we see all the time where clients build amazing websites on their own or they hire someone to do it, but the platform that it's built on is just basically going to be hidden from the search engine. So the platform itself is number one. Design is obviously important, but it's more so about the content that's on your website. Google has certain criterias for ranking content, which is the quality and the quantity in terms of the words that are on your homepage and every other page, but then also how you're tagging every single you know piece of, of content that is on your homepage and any other page that's on your website. So there's a lot of different factors that go into it, but a lot of it is built, you know, or, you know, successful or not successful based on the platform and the foundation that's there. I had somebody show me, um, he pulled up my website and pulled off, you know, I don't know how he did it, but anyway, he, he pulled off a picture and it showed like, I don't know, some kind of weird number that the picture was, you know, named after, right. It was just something like junk, and numbers or something. And he's like, look, nobody, nobody's going to find this picture. Nobody's going to find anything because it doesn't have anything involving junk removal or anything like that. Does this make sense to you? I I'm, I'm struggling explaining it because I only saw it once, but I'm like, Oh my God, he Mm -hmm. goes, you've got to name your pictures when you post them on your website. And I'm like, I had no idea. So, so, I mean, I've, I've, I've had my business eight years and I'm like constantly learning so much about just marketing and stuff. And man, it's, it is a difficult, uh, for me, it's so difficult to, to understand it and, and learn it. There's so much, but that really surprised me on the pictures. Yeah, no, I mean, marketing, everyone thinks that it's very simple and easy and that you touch it once or you make it once and then it's done. And, and it's not that way. And so, um, you know, I, I taught everything, I taught myself everything through courses. So I'm not a, uh, a computer or marketing person, digitally background, those things like that. Um, so I kind of try to like to bridge the gap between the technical side and then also explaining it to my clients. Cause 95% of clients or people that I talk to are in the exact same boat as you are. What you're referring to is what they call alt text. So Google does not read pictures or videos. And that's why you'll see a ton of people that are like, hey, I just want a bunch of pictures on my website with the call now button and then some videos. And it's like, no, you have to have content. 
But then when you upload pictures uh, or videos to your website, a lot of people don't know that you have to name the picture on the back end. And then there's also a lot of people that build websites that like to cut corners. So they're just going to take, for example, Michelle, you send me over 10 photos and those photos are titled, you know, from your iPhone or wherever IMG, you know, the image 475. If I don't re-download that and optimize the photo, compress the file and then rename it and then upload it to your website, Google's going to look and say, Hey, this is a picture of image 458. And that's all they're going to see. The best way to do that is you try to figure out your keywords that you're going after. So for example, junk removal, DFW, junk removal near me, et cetera. Then we tag those photos and then upload them to the website. So when Google is reading and scanning your website, they say, okay, not only is there junk removal content, but this is also a photo of them doing junk removal in Dallas, Fort Worth. And that, that makes, ex, you know, complete sense. And, and it's like, I try and explain to people, um, explain to me like um, a fifth grader. So, um, you know, I can understand it. I'm trying to learn. I shouldn't say trying because Wiley would be like, no, there's, there's no trying. Um, I'm working on learning so many different things and you, you know, it just kind of, kind of all meshes together and you're just like, okay, this is not working out. But I do have a question for you. And I would like to know what exactly is content? Yeah. So there's two types of content. There's the on-site content and then there's the off-site content. So if you're taking a look at your website specifically, the content that is there is basically any words that you have on your website. So normally Google likes to see 500 plus words on the homepage at minimum. And then they want to see, you know, on other types of pages, probably 300 plus that, that, that number is kind of always moving. So there's that content. When you launch a new website, for example, most of our clients build an eight or a 15 page website, and they might even go bigger than that. If they have multiple locations, a lot of services, et cetera. But that is where you start with the content as far as launching the new website. Ongoing content on the actual website, we do a minimum of four pieces a month for our clients. So that could be a blog. Blogs are very, very big and important because it allows you to come up for more keywords. That can also be a location page. So if you think about Dallas-Fort Worth, most people are like, hey, I want to rank in DFW area. But then when you look at their website, all they really talk about is Dallas-Fort Worth. So they're not talking about Frisco, Plano, Addison, um, any of those other areas. And they want to know, well, why doesn't Google rank me in those places? It's because you don't have location-specific content on your website. So we add a location section for junk removal, Addison, junk removal, Plano, et cetera. And then we also add, you know, service pages ongoing. So if someone says, Hey, you know, I, I want to get more basement cleanouts or garage cleanouts. You want to make sure that you have a service page and plenty of content dedicated to that. So that's the first aspect that we do ongoing or at the beginning on the website. And then the offsite content, as far as what that refers to, is things like posting once a week to your Google business listing with call to actions back to your website. That's one thing that we do. We also take care of your backlinks. So backlinks are basically your website and information getting linked up to another website and information that is out there. But you want to make sure that it's, 
it's specific to your industry location, things like that. So we're actually creating those backlinks for our clients instead of using a third party service to just buy a bunch. Um, so we want to create and, and actually control that content for two reasons is one, we don't want to get slapped as a penalty on Google because that hurts our clients. But two, we also want to have this big box of content for you that if for whatever reason, our relationship ends as working with you as an SEO partner, that you have a ton of content that is not going to go away. So you paid for all that stuff. We want to make sure that you can utilize it ongoing and you know, obviously get the fruit of all the work that goes into it. That's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Um, again, I had a question and I forgot. So um, I've seen you grown really a lot in the last two and a half years. And how, how long have you been a part of Apex? So I've been a part of Apex since uh, August 2020. So it's been uh, about a year and a half at this point. Okay, that's pretty cool. And for our listeners who don't know what Apex is, it is uh, a, wow, how do you explain it? A, a group of amazing people who like to help you build yourself up, build your company up. You get to network with people who are, you know, making a very successful. And what you get to do is this teaches you how to build yourself up, how to build your business up, how to help others. It's really, it seems sometimes more, it's about helping others than it is yourself. And then that, that part just kind of comes secondary, right? But um, I, I think I've been with them, I don't know, a year, two years. Uh, I don't remember when I you know, I was following for them a while before I signed up and I, my dates just kind of messed together, but I was trying to explain this to my trainer at the gym. And I'm like, man, you need this group. I mean, you just need to, it, it pushes you. It doesn't allow to have your excuses. You know, I had a FYE shirt on and I'm like, do you understand what this stands for? And she's like, no, I was going to ask about that. So, um, I don't know if I should cuss on this, but we'll just, we'll go ahead. It's, it's fuck your excuses. So it just, I put, I had somebody put a, uh, uh, what do you call it? Like a sticker. So I could put it on the back of my window in my truck. Right. So every time I have to look back, it's just a reminder for me. I don't, you don't have any excuses. There's, you know, and every time I think of something, I'm like, no, that's just an excuse. Okay. I got to find another solution to this problem because nobody's going to listen to this. So, um, it's just an amazing group of people and, and they help you with your mindset. They help you build your business. There's building your machine. It's building out your company. And I can say this, I've been with them or following them for at least two, two and a half years. And last year was our best year, gosh, in my entire life ever. So, and I've had my business eight years, <laughs> but that's the best I've done in any job I've ever had. So it's been, um, that's amazing. It's been quite the journey. And I, I'm like, I need to work on my time management and I know I can make more time if, um, I would work on my schedule better, but I struggle with schedules because I'm a wing it kind of person. So are you on schedules or how does that work for you? Yeah. So I, I try to live and die by my calendar as much as, as I possibly can. You know, for me, uh, 
all the things that you mentioned about Apex from the mindset to the mentality, um, basically building your machine, everything else through has really been what's catapulted me as well as obviously the network and providing value, but getting, you know, providing so much value and then getting stuff in return as well. But right now, my biggest focus is spending time and building up my team. Um, you know, when I first started, when I was first in Apex, it was literally just myself. Now, uh, as far as my franchise goes, uh, we have four full-time team members going to bring on a couple more as well. And so um, I'm trying to build out my schedule, my routines, things like that, as far as my workday goes on really pouring into my team, giving them all of the resources that they need to be successful because they're the ones that really drive the vehicle forward in the growth of our company. So we, we grew 400% in 2021 largely due to the fact that I was able to focus on the things that I'm really good at, which is more the branding, sales, marketing, things like that, where my team could focus on account management, project management, doing the work and putting all the pieces together. So uh, always working on managing my time better and, and living by the calendar can always be better there. Yeah, that that's really amazing. Um, I'm to the point, I mean, I'm, I'm at that growing pain where I, for me, I can't, I don't really need people in the office so much. I need them doing the work, right? Cause I'm doing everything right now. And I'm like, I just bought a brand new truck last year and the dump trucks I'm looking at is, are about 80 to hundred. So I'm like, well, mm, I don't know how I'm going to fix this problem. So I need, I need a crew is where I'm at. You know, as far as my growth goes, I just need a crew so bad. So I figure out right now, I'm just going to work on getting my truck out of debt. And then next year I'll focus on getting another truck. Cause I really don't want to buy used because I see all the problems that, that like I, in our junk removal groups that everybody has with these used trucks. I'm like, you know, I'd rather just spend the money and, and do it right. But I think that's just amazing. Um, so I have some questions for you. And I wanted to know, did you have a favorite quote? A favorite quote? So yeah. um, that, that's a great question. And I've been on a lot of podcasts and I haven't had that question asked before. So <laughs> probably need to have a quote ready to go now. <laughs> um, you know, I think for me, some of the biggest, uh, you know, things that, that I've learned over the past couple of years. And it's not necessarily, I, uh, you know, there's a couple of things that come to mind. I think for me, one of the quotes that really sticks right now is I just read winning by Tim Grover and I am a ex college athlete. I'm a very competitive person. I think my competitive nature has really propelled me to not just do the status quo or, or be in my comfort zone. But he talks about winning, having its own language. And I think that when I originally thought about winning in general, I think, okay, there's winning and there's losing and you either win or you lose, but there's so much more that goes into it. And in order to continuously win and to continuously be successful, there's going to be so many different things that are thrown at you in so many different directions. And if you just try to cut it as, Hey, it's black or it's white, you're going to have a lot of hardships and you're going to be very frustrated because winning in life in general 
it ha- has its own language. And there's so many different things that weave in and out. And so being at the forefront of what's going on, being proactive versus reactive, all of those things go in there. But I think that that quote right now, because I just read the book recently, is really sticking with me. And um, I'm learning a lot about the aspects of, of being successful, of winning, and always looking to you know improve on that. I love it. I love it. I, I know someone uh, who is very black and white and um, it it's difficult for them to understand some things because they just look at it this way and this way, right? It's either white, it's either black. And I'm like, and eh, there's sometimes there's gray, but as far as winning and losing, you either, it's either one or the other, you know? And, and I love that. Um, so going off that, what is your favorite book? So my favorite book uh, is Traction. So um, I will be honest, I've only read about 15 books in my entire life, nine, nine of which have came this year so far already. Uh, I reread Traction this year uh, and I read it last year, but I didn't really have a team to implement anything. And I think it just, the, the reason why it is my favorite book is one, it gives you the outline of the EOS or the entrepreneurial operating system, but it helped me understand who I was as an entrepreneur. And then I also read the book Rocket Fuel after that, which really kind of splits up the the visionary and the integrator roles. But I was having so much frustration in my life because I didn't understand where all of these visions and all of these dreams came from. And then also on the flip side, why? Because I'm not a detailed person. I'm not that integrator mindset or personality that I was having such a struggle with processes and systems with actually implementing all of these cool ideas that I had. So it really set the foundation when I reread it this year, we implemented everything within EOS within our company and it's been phenomenal, but I've really came to own and understand what, what I am and what I'm not. And I tried to be everything for everyone. And I tried to be everything for myself. And when you're everything for everyone and you're everything for yourself, you're basically nothing at all. So that would be probably the best book and my most favorite one that I've read so far. I, I love it because ironically, I just had this conversation about systems and processes with my husband. And I, I, I don't have any consistency in anything I do, although I, I know what to do at, at each thing. And so I'm like, okay, you know, if I had to hand this over to, a crew, this is not going to work. You know, they're going to have no idea how to do it. And so now I'm starting to work on writing down what needs to be done, how it needs to be done, how the customers need to be treated about even just smoking. I had a cus- uh, I had a guy the other day uh, just smoke in the house. And I'm like, dude, I mean, when, when did you ever think this was okay? You know, you, you don't do this. So we changed that rule. I'm like, if you want to smoke, you go to the curb. You don't need, I don't care if the customer smokes. You, this is not a smoking party. You go to the curb, you know? So it's mm-hmm. just funny, just little things that come up and you're like, okay, all right, I got to write this down now. You know, I got to add this to the rules or, or however it is. 
And I mean, I know our businesses are like completely opposite in, in that aspect, but, um, one of the best books that I've read is called happy accidents. And I don't remember the names of the, uh, authors, but in Fort, in, in downtown Fort Worth, Texas, we have a comedy show called four day weekend. And it's about improv, right? And so these four guys started this four-day weekend and it talks about their their story. But one of the things I really loved about the book is, for instance, um, you know, again, it's improv. So when they're working with each other on stage and you're having a conversation, instead of saying something like negative or not saying anything at all, right? If somebody asks you a question, you say yes and, right? And it's very positive. So like I used it one time, um, somebody was rebutting something I was saying and I go, yes, and you could do it this way or this way or this way, right? And it really changed the conversation. I don't know if this makes any sense to you, but they talk about yes and a lot in the book. And I just thought it was so neat because it's just taking anything negative that anybody says in general, it's not just about improv and changing it to a positive outcome. Right. And then one of the things they did was, um, they, they work with you, like they have free classes and I'm like, Ooh, I'm going to go take some free classes because it's not about being funny, although it would help. Um, it's just about learning how to be a better speaker. And, and I really struggle in this, you know, cause uh, I, like we were doing some um, exercises in the class and they're like, tell a story. And I just locked up and I'm like, okay, I got plenty of stories. But when I got, when he asked that question, I just completely locked up and, and I'm like, I don't have any stories. I don't, I can't tell you anything. So I've learned a lot just in, in the one class I took, but in the book, was just amazing on all the obstacles they dealt with and how they overcame it and how everything was always about something positive. And I'm, hang on, I'm sorry, I gotta get a drink. I'm the kind of person that I've taught myself over the years that I can take any negative situation and look at it and find something good about it. Even if the person is just a horrible person, I can go, oh, he's got a nice shirt. I'll find something nice, right? And so I love anything that is just optimistic and positive because I'm trying to learn more about doing more of that, you know? And um, so I have another question. So tell us something interesting about yourself that most people don't know. So I am a type one uh, diabetic. So I've been a type one diabetic since I was 12 years old. Um, some people, you know, know about, uh, know about it only because, you know, they've seen me take insulin or check my blood sugar before, but most people don't. Um, and it was really eye-opening experience as a 12-year-old. Um, at the time, technology was not where it was at today. So I used to have to, to take the large syringes and the vials of insulin and kind of do all that stuff at my own, where at the age of 12, that's a very, very difficult thing to, one, get used to and understand the dynamics behind it. But at a very early age, it gave me an amazing outlook on life when I looked at 
what other types of diseases I could have got. Diabetes, for the most part, has been a very controlled um, disease on the type one front worldwide. And I've had, I've been lucky and blessed to be very under controlled pretty much my entire life that I've had it. Um, whereas, you know, I could have had something else that could have been a lot more serious or not nearly had the advancements in education, um, on the disease, but then also in the treatment. So that's definitely one thing that most people don't know about myself. Uh, yeah, I had no idea. Now I'm going to ask maybe a silly question, but is when you have diabetes that young, is that because it's hereditary or how, what causes that so young, you know? Yeah. So it's uh, it's hereditary. So I still have uh, my pancreas, but it is not working or producing the amount of insulin that needs to be to require, required for the, for the normal person. But uh, normally it skips a uh, generation. So my grandparent, um, well, my grandpa had it. Um, and then my sister, who is a couple years younger than me, she also has it as well. So they, it's actually interesting. They say it skips a generation or two sometimes. And then if you have multiple siblings, there's a 50% chance that another sibling is going to get it if someone else already has it. So I got it when I was 12 and my sister got it when she was 21. Oh, wow. Wow. So I have one last question. And what is the best lesson you've learned? So for me, it's kind of cliche. Um, you know, I'm not going to say the network is the network, but being able to put yourself in a room of people that going in, you know, you are not the smartest person. You're not the most experienced or the most wealthiest that you are actually what I would consider maybe a bottom feeder going into that room and owning it and being okay with it and asking for help and being open and honest with yourself on where you're at and where you're trying to go and investing in masterminds like Apex, investing in just being in rooms with people that you know by being there, you are going to be better for it ongoing. So I know a lot of people throw around the network is net worth, but for me, it's just investing that time, energy, and money and putting yourself in those positions time and time again, knowing that you are probably the least smart, the least wealthy, or least educated. And, and that's what I love doing. And for me, I never did that until I went out and became an entrepreneur and then quickly realized I had no idea what I was doing. I was always very successful in my previous jobs, very successful in athletics. And I kind of just coasted along the way. Whereas if I would have had this mentality back when I was in high school or college or playing sports, or even in my last job, like I don't even know what would have happened, but I think just really taking that initiative and owning it um, and putting yourself in those situations where you're going to ultimately become better because of that network is, is priceless. I think that's awesome. Yeah. I, I did a video the other day and I'm like, yeah, I'm a little jealous because uh, I'm 51 and I'm still working on getting it together. And I see these 18 year olds and 15 year olds and 20 year olds. And I'm like, wow. I mean, that's not what I was doing at that age. So I'm always impressed that these people are so young and, and they're really successful. I mean, financially and, and their business is running awesome. And so 
it's a good jealous, you know, I'm, I'm just so amazed by it because I'm like, wow, that's just amazing. So I feel like I'm like the, in the remedial class <laughs> trying to catch up, <laughs> but like you said, I, I love it. It, it, it's awkward at times when it's really uncomfortable, but you, when you continue to put yourself out there, the more you do it, the better it gets. So I really appreciate Absolutely. that. And, and I love our conversation today. And I wanted to let you know if you wanted to leave your contact information for our audience so they could get a hold of you. Yeah, absolutely. So you can go to adammcchesney.com. So that's A-D-A-M, McChesney, M-C-C-H-E-S-N-E-Y.com. That's going to take you right to our Hype Digital St. Louis page where you can find out more information. Also, you can find me on Facebook. Just type my name in and also on Instagram. So Adam L. McChesney. Uh, and all those three places are the easiest ways to find me. So I, I appreciate the interview today. Thank you so much for coming on. And I really enjoyed our conversation. And uh, you're just an amazing person. I, I, I saw where you posted back when you were got when you got married. So I remember that far back. You know, I thought that was <laughs> so cool. So anyhow, thank you so much for coming on our show. And please reach out to me um, if you have any questions. And again, this is The Junk Project with Michelle Hill and Adam McChesney. Thank you all so much. Have an awesome day. Thanks so much for tuning in. Be sure to appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get notified as new episodes become available. And remember, it's just junk and you can get rid of it.